0: Welcome to 5 Minutes in the Word. This is your daily podcast of Bible reading and insight into God's Word. We're continuing our study in the book of Judges, still in chapter 3, looking at verses 15 through 19 in the New King James Version. When Israel prays to God, because of their affliction, because of their bondage, because of a a problem that they created, he raises up a deliverer. He sends a new judge to deliver them from the hands of uh, King Eglon. And his name is Ehud. This is again Judges chapter 3, verses 15 through 19. Let's listen to God's word. But when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. By him, the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger; it was double-edged, with a cu- and a cubit in length and fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who had carried the tribute. But he himself Turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. He said, Keep silence. And all who attended him went out from him. Again, Judges chapter 3, verses 15 through 19 in the New King James Version, which gives it a title, Ehud. I'll be back to share insights and we'll close with prayer. Five Minutes in the Word on Facebook and Twitter. Again, that was Judges chapter 3, verses 15 through 19 in the New King James Version. In this section, we're going to hear how Ehud uh, daringly assassinates King Eglon. And the scripture is going to give us two significant pieces of information. First of all, he's left-handed. And second of all, he straps his weapon, a dagger, to the inside of his right thigh under his clothes. But let's listen to what the commentaries had to say. Ehud was the son of Gera, a Benjamite. And the fact that a Benjamite acts as savior is significant, since the deliverance at the hands of a Benjamite d- uh, dramatically reverses the portrayal of Benjamin. Remember in chapter 1, verse 21, it says that the children of Benjamin did not drive out the Jebusites who inhabited Jerusalem. So this makes them more successful because um, Ehud is of Benjamite. He's a uh, Benjamite uh, ancestry. So he's a part of the tribe of Benjamin. The name Benjamin means son of the right hand in Hebrew. the uh, the narrative ironically notes that ehud was left-handed but the detail again is crucial to the success of his plan to deliver, deliver israel from moab and it also tells us that in the ancient world, left-handed people were often forced to become right-handed. And so true even in our time. Because I remember my granddad, who was left-handed, said he was always told by his teachers, you know, you're writing with the wrong hand. You have to write with your right hand. So I can just imagine them trying to force uh, left-handed people to become right-handed people. But let me get back to the commentary. This made Uh, Ehud's um, standing as a left-handed man more unusual. He is described as left-handed, literally restricted to you know restricted as to his right hand, because remember they're trying to force everyone to use their right hand. In the eye of an Israelite, this was regarded as a physical defect, and it, it appears often in connection with the Benjamites without affecting their powers in battle. So even though they were left-handed, they were still powerful. And it's going to uh, prove to be true. And obviously quite cunning to come up with a plan that he came up with to uh, save his people from 18 years of bondage. That again, is a place that they chose by not following God's directives. But let me get back to what the commentaries had to say. Benjamites were known for their skill with a uh, sling using their left hand. So it says that more than likely the warriors were likely ambidextrous. So you didn't know which hand it was going to come from, in other words. A cubic was the length of a man's arm from elbow to fingertip. So the dagger was roughly 18 inches on, av- on average. And that's a pretty, that's a pretty large uh, instrument. And again, that's going to be important because if you look at um, verse 17, it says, So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. And then it says, Now Eglon was a very fat man. And that's a parenthetical. It's in parentheses. But let me keep going so I don't run out of my little bit of time. Uh, Ehud fastened it under his clothes on his right thigh. Since most warriors were right-handed, they wore such weapons on their left thigh, reaching across their body to draw them. Ehud would appear unarmed. So again, that's a significant point for us to remember. He went to bring a tribute, their annual payment, to their oppressor. So they thought, you know, it was, he was coming in peace because he was bringing their money. He brought the tri- tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. And of course, they're paying tribute and they shouldn't because they were supposed to be the ones receiving the tribute. But they did not do what God told them to do. So the uh, Eglon and the, king, the, and the Moabites had dominion over them. Ehud uh, came to Eglon as a messenger or courier. Since the payment was uh, carried by a number of men, it may have been food or wool. And presents and tributes in the eastern countries were often done with very great ceremony and to make uh, the, the more public parade several persons, ordinarily slaves, Uh, sumptuously dressed and in considerable number were employed to carry what would be a burden even to one. This appears to have been the case in the present situation. So they made a, you know, a lot of pump and circumstance. And once the king uh, hears that that Ehud had something for him, he bids everyone to leave the room. He tells them, keep silence. and Because Ehud says, I have a secret for you, O king. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you as we continue to study your word. We thank you as we continue to learn, learn how you do hear, you do answer when you are called by your children, just like a loving father, just like a loving parent, you answer when we call And when Israel called for your assistance, for your, when they turned from their sin and cried in repentance, you were right there to answer their call. And that's just like a parent. When a kid looks, if a a kid has done something wrong and they repent, that father and that mother lovingly grabs them and hugs them and says, okay, I forgive you. And Father, we thank you for the forgiveness that you give in the name of Jesus. Father, as usual, we're praying for those who need you in a special way. And we have to keep uh, the Ukrainians on top, top of our hearts and minds because we're hear, hearing about, you know, people barely es- escaping such um, dangerous, such deadly situations and those who didn't escape. And we can't help but cry. And ask God that you please hear and answer their calls. Because we know you hear, Father. We're praying that you answer in the name of Jesus. We're praying for for, uh, not just the conflict there, which is so public and everyone is seeing it, but for conflicts everywhere, Father. You know what the needs are, Father. And we're trusting and praising you for the answer in the name of Jesus. We're praising you for the success in the name of Jesus. We're thanking you in advance for answered prayer. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you for spending time in God's word with me. Be blessed.